Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So we have devoted a lot of time on this podcast talking about the benefits of breastfeeding. Yeah, there are so many benefits to breastfeeding. So it really touches pretty much like so many topics that we discuss. Absolutely. But it's really important to remember that approximately 25% of babies will receive exclusively formula from birth. And an even higher percentage of that will get a combination of breast milk and formula at some point during their first year of life. So are we going to talk about infant formula today? (laughs) Yes, bingo, we are. And I thought it was a timely topic because here in the United States, we're currently experiencing a national shortage of infant formula, which has led many parents to ask questions about formula and specifically what they can do with formula feeding. So let's start by talking about the basics. How much formula does a baby need every day? Yeah, so just like with breast milk, there stomachs start out super, super, super tiny, and so they only need a really small amount in the beginning, and then it gradually increases over the first few months of life. So really, by the end of a baby's first week of life, they get about between one to two ounces per feed, and then over the first month, they will probably increase to somewhere between three and four ounces every three to four hours. By six months, that volume may increase to six to eight ounces spread between four or five feeds per day. We generally say that babies should max out at 32 ounces per day. So that should be the most amount of formula that they get. So that's like a big gulp or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I mean, if we, I'm not sure because I don't drink soda um, (laughs) and you guys shouldn't either, but Uh sure, maybe. It depends. One of those big, big, big gulps. Yeah. So there are different ways to prepare formula. And, you know, there's some that come already pre-mixed and they're ready to feed. And then there's the powdered cans and the liquid concentrate. So that can be kind of confusing, right? Yeah, that's right. Many people will recommend using a ready-to-feed formula for infants less than two months. And that's just because their immune systems are still underdeveloped and they're at increased risk for infections, especially in the setting of improper mixing of that powdered formula. And there's a very small but but significant risk of uh, bacterial infections that have been reported with powdered formula. So for the really young babies, we recommend the ready-to-feed. So many families have probably heard of the recent Chronobacter outbreak, which was tied to baby formula, and that caused one of the major manufacturers of formula to cause one of their plants to close and, and, and refurbish it in order to prevent that kind of contamination. And that's really exacerbated the current shortage of formula in the U.S. Right. So, Dr. Dean, why do we need to worry specifically about Chronobacter with this powdered formula? And are there any things that parents should know about preparing formula that can help reduce risks for infection? So Cronobacter is a bacteria found in the environment, and it can cause dangerous infections such as sepsis or blood poisoning or meningitis. And this is especially a risk in the first few months of life. So for infants under two months of age, those who were born prematurely and those who have a weakened immune system If you're not using premixed formula, 
Either purified or previously boiled and then cooled water should be used when mixing with powdered formula. Prepared formula must be discarded within an hour after feeding it from the bottle to your baby. And if you have prepared formula that has not been fed to your baby, you can store that in the refrigerator for up to 24 hours. Okay. And then whenever you're mixing powdered formula, you always put the water in first and then the powder. So that's an important thing to remember to to get your quantities right. And once babies are two months or older, um, kind of any of the formulations that we discussed, either the ready-to-feed, the concentrate, or the powder are fine. Um, And usually the powder is going to be the most cost-efficient for families or economical. And so most of the time, that's what I'll recommend because formula is really, really expensive. Even before this, it was really expensive. So since you mentioned the mixing, I think it's important to stress the importance of mixing formula properly. So some people may be tempted to add more water to really stretch the amount they have um, so that they don't have to buy as much. And this can be really dangerous because it can alter the baby's electrolytes, their sodium and, and other electrolytes, and that can lead to growth failure, that they're not growing well, and even scarier things like seizures and death. And we've this is, this is not uncommon. This is something that we commonly see in the hospital, children being admitted for seizures because of improper formula mixing. Right. Something we really, really want to avoid and, again, stress the danger of. So if you're having issues finding enough formula to the point where you've considered doing this, please, please reach out to your pediatrician and we can help. So now let's get to the meat, or should I say the milk of the subject matter. <laughs> Reviewing all the different types of formula. And, you know, it's even difficult to know where to start if you're choosing a formula because when you go down the formula aisle in the store, there's like a hundred different varieties and they all have great advertisements on it. Then, you know, some are saying, oh, you know, this is good for reflux, this is good for colic, or it's better for brain development. I want that one, right? (laughs) Then there's the soy formulas, the organic formulas, and, you know, new parents have so much to worry about anyway, and then there's all these choices that they have to make. Yeah, you're totally right. It's completely overwhelming. And really, the good news is that with a very few exceptions, there really aren't all that different. And most infants will do completely fine with a standard cow's milk based formula, regardless of the brand or the name. You know, the generic store brand one is the same as the fancy brand name is the same as the next guy. So cow's milk-based formulas account for about 80% of the formula sold here in the U.S. Right. So now parents may be scratching their head and saying, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure you told me that I can't give regular cow's milk until my kid is a year old. So why am I giving a cow's milk-based formula? And that's because it's actually processed totally differently. So the cow's milk proteins have been treated by heating it to make those proteins more digestible. Lactose is added um, to make the concentration more equivalent to what's found in breast milk. And the butter fat is removed and replaced with some vegetable oils and other fats that infants need really for better growth and are more digestible for them. So there's been a lot of changes that make it safe for babies. And also the cow's milk formulas um, should also be fortified with iron and that helps reduce iron deficiency anemia. 
Yeah, and parents may see other things added, such as DHA or docohexanoic acid or arachidonic acid, AHA. Those are fatty acids that are believed to be important for babies' brain and eyes development. But the jury's still out really on how much it helps when it's added to formula. Cow's milk formulas, as well as breast milk and all other mammalian milk, contain two important proteins, whey and casein. These proteins are considered high quality because they provide all amino acids necessary for growth and development. And the amino acids are important for protein. They're the building blocks for protein. Right. Going back to our mini medical school. Parents may read that certain formulas discuss what's called the whey to casein ratio in their product. And so we know that mature breast milk, so breast milk like after the first few weeks of life, has a whey to casein ratio usually of approximately 60% whey, 40% casein. And cow's milk has a ratio closer to 20 to 80%. So 80% casein, 20% whey. The reason I bring this up is because whey protein is thought to be more digestible because it remains more in liquid form. Um, and so you may see some formulas that are, are saying that they're more gentle or more digestible or better for reflux have a higher whey concentration on them. So that's why some formulas may say they're more gentle, and then they end up being marketed that way. But you really just have to try it, right? Yeah. Every kid's going to respond differently. And you can check the ingredients label to see this whey to casein ratio or talk with your pediatrician if you, if you feel like your kid may benefit from a change there. And then some formulas state they contain probiotics or prebiotics. Is there any evidence to show that this is beneficial to babies? So just remember that probiotics are types of live bacteria that help promote a healthy gut and digestive system that we all have naturally. So while there are some possible health benefits to probiotics, the data really is inconclusive to say whether they're helpful or not helpful. Usually, like just anecdotally in my practice, if a baby has like very bad colic or reflux, I can say to parents, maybe you want to try it for a couple weeks. Usually I tell them to try like the drops, not necessarily the formula, but I'll say like, you can try it for a couple weeks and if it helps, then it's not harmful to them. But if it doesn't help, it's probably not worth the added cost of it. And so jury's still out on whether probiotics are helpful for infants. Speaking of cost, what about organic baby formulas? They're more expensive, but they're organic. So does that mean that they're better? Right. So there's no specific difference in like the way these are made or the proteins or anything like that. Um, it's just good to know that the cow's milk or soy that's used to make the formula is more guaranteed to come from cows that are free of antibiotics, who consume like feed that's free of pesticides or other added chemicals. And so in terms of like long-term outcomes for babies who have organic formula versus other, I don't think there have been any studies to show a difference. So I would say whether or not you want to buy organic formula is a personal decision for each family. It is going to be more costly and to our knowledge at this point doesn't have any known developmental benefits. What about European formulas? I mean, they're being imported into the U.S. and they're very popular, especially during the formula shortage in the U.S., they are very popular, and they were actually very popular before the formula shortage. Um, and so for some of our listeners in Europe, um, this is probably your standard, and your baby does great with them. And so that's wonderful. Some of the most common brand names that you're going to hear are Hip or Holly, or I think I'm saying that right. 
right now during the formula shortage, I think is sort of different, right? Like usually I tell my patients, uh, advise them against shipping these to the U.S., but right now, if they really are having trouble finding other formulas, I think, and we are importing them as a government, I think it's a different story. But usually I recommend against it for a few different reasons, right? So they're not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration here, the FDA, which means we can't ensure safety standards and we don't know about recalls quickly. So think about the recent recall with the Coronabacter. Um, it may take us weeks or longer to find out about it, and then we can't pull the formulas off the shelves as fast. We also don't know how it's been shipped or stored, and sometimes temperatures can interfere with nutrients in formulas. And then if parents can't understand or read the language um, <laughs> where the mixing instructions come in, they may mix it improperly and cause some of those issues that we talked about with, with mixing. And it's also a lot more expensive and probably unnecessarily expensive for most kids who can do really well with the U.S. formula. So that's usually the spiel I give. And I will, again, say the caveat being right now is that the U.S. is importing some of these formulas given the shortage. And so that's different. So we reviewed standard cow's milk formula, and that's what most infants um, should tolerate just fine. But there are some special circumstances where infants may need a special formula, right? Right. So while we're still discussing cow's milk protein, we should note that there are formulas that are called hydrolyzed formulas that may be needed for certain medical conditions. You may have also heard um, these referred to as like hypoallergenic formulas. In the U.S., the brand names are Alimentum, Nutramagen, Progestamil. Those are the more common ones. And tell us what um, hydrolyzed indicates. Right. So hydrolyzed means those proteins that we were discussing before. The casein and the whey. Right. So those mm -hmm. proteins are broken down into smaller peptides, so smaller proteins. So it can either be partially hydrolyzed, which makes them smaller, or extensively hydrolyzed, which means they're even smaller than that. And when you break it down, it makes it easier for infants to digest with certain medical conditions. And what kind of medical issues would that be? Yeah, so the most common reason a baby would need a hydrolyzed formula is if they have something that's commonly referred to as a cow's milk protein intolerance. The medical term these days I think we're using is food protein-induced allergic proctocolitis, um, but that's, that's a mouthful. And the most common presentation of that is um, for newborns to be usually growing or infants to be growing really well, but they start having some blood in their stools in early infancy. Sometimes they can also have severe eczema. Those are the more common symptoms for this um, milk protein intolerance. There are also some formulas where the proteins are broken down even further just to the amino acids alone. So the names of these are Elecare, Neocate, and then there's a Nutramagen AA in the I'm US. I'm guessing that stands for amino acid. Amino acid, I would guess so too, <laughs> yeah. So these are only used for more severe medical conditions associated with significant problems with absorption from the gut. Right. So these are going to be under the guidance of like a gastrointestinal doctor, a nutritionist, like um, more of a subspecialist. Both hydrolyzed and extensively hydrolyzed formulas are much more expensive. On average, they're three times the cost of a regular cow's milk based formula. Occasionally, depending on the medical condition, it, um, insurance can help cover these. So just check with your pediatrician about that. What about soy formula? Where does that fit in? Oh, yeah. So soy formula is a different type of protein, right? So traditionally, people may have used soy formula in order to avoid the traditional cow's milk 
protein formula um, in infants that may have had a milk protein allergy or those where they presumed they had like a lactose intolerant or even colic. But we now know that the only true indications for soy formula is a condition called galactosemia. This is a rare metabolic disorder, and this makes it impossible for an infant's body to break down the galactose, which is a sugar in both human milk and cow's milk. Right. Some will say possibly like if a family practices a strict vegan diet, um, that it would be an indication. Although, of course, in those cases, breastfeeding would still be the preferred method. And we do not use it for kids with lactose intolerance anymore because one, that's a very extremely rare diagnosis in infants. And second, there's some cow's milk based formulas that are lactose free. So the concern over soy formula, it, it comes from the fact that soy contains phytoestrogens. And we know that early exposure to estrogens, the hormones, in this critical stage in development could have negative impacts on pubertal development. And some animal studies show that the health effects of possible concern include early onset of puberty in females and alterations in development of breast tissue. Right. So I would say overall, probably best to avoid soy formula unless needed, of course, in things like galactosemia and chat with your pediatrician if you have specific questions. What about children who are born prematurely? Do they have special formulations um, for them? Great question. So most babies born prematurely will need a special formula either on its own or to supplement moms who are breastfeeding or giving breast milk. This is because they need both additional calories to catch up their growth, as well as additional nutrients, vitamins, things like calcium and phosphorus to make sure that their bone development is on track for the time that they missed being out of the womb early. <laughs> so standard formulas in breast milk provide 20 kilocalories per ounce, and the preterm formulas provide 22 kilocalories per ounce or even more Per ounce, and increasing the calories per ounce um, in formula is referred to as fortification. Right, and this is definitely not something that parents should ever like go about doing on their own. Um, it should only be done under the guidance or collaboration with their pediatrician or a dietitian. So usually, I will have preterm infants continue this special fortified formula until they reach one year corrected. So that means that like if they were born two months early, they would continue that until they were one year, two months old. So given the current formula shortage and some panic buying, there have been a lot more um, reports of and questions about homemade formulas. So why shouldn't parents do this? I mean, it seems wholesome to make a, a batch of homemade formula, but it's a big no-no, right? Yeah, it's a very, very, very big no-no. So Baby formulas approved by the Food and Drug Administration have been engineered over years and years and years to really create optimal nutrition for infants. And formula mixtures made from online recipes are not going to have vital ingredients such as like enough iron or specific vitamins for your baby. They may have too much salt or sodium or other nutrients that really your baby's kidneys and liver can't handle when they're young. So lots of bad things. Yeah, so in addition, regular dairy products like regular cow's milk or plant-based milk alternatives, these aren't designed with the right amount of very important nutrition sources, including protein, iron, calcium, and vitamins that a baby needs to grow. So these can't be substituted for formula until the baby ages out of formula at about one year of age. 
Right. And once a baby turns a year old or one year corrected, like we mentioned, if they were born early, then they no longer need formula. And at this point, they should get the majority of their calories really from table food. So after a year old, parents don't need to transition to toddler formula. That is correct. So like I said, at a year, you can begin offering your child whole cow's milk. So we don't want to do like low fat or, you know, 1% or 2%. And ideally, we want to limit this to less than 16 ounces per day to prevent iron deficiency anemia. The vast majority of kids do not need a toddler formula because they're going to get all of their nutrients for growth from a varied diet, hopefully. Of course, if you have specific concerns about your child's growth, bring it up with your pediatrician. We know that the idea of running out of baby formula is really stressful for parents. And while the government in the U.S. is doing all that it can to increase the formula supply from importing formula from other countries to reopening the formula manufacturing facilities, we know that families are still facing this hardship. Right. So some strategies that can help during this time of shortage include shopping at smaller stores, trying to shop online where there's um, better access. You can try a new brand or type. Of course, this doesn't work for people who have kids that do need one of those special hydrolyzed formulas or need it for medical necessity. But if you were giving like one for a cow's milk base, one for reflux, and then you're going to change to colic or you're going to change to like, you know, the Costco brand or something like that, that's totally fine to do. And then join infant feeding social media groups for resources or donations. Um, And you can also consider purchasing donor human milk from a certified milk bank. And if you run out of ideas, or even before you run out of ideas, hopefully before it's a crisis, then check with your pediatrician. We are always happy to brainstorm with you. Our professional organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, is providing pediatricians with resources to address this. So it's easier said than done, but please try to avoid panic buying so that our already um, existing shortage isn't exacerbated. Absolutely. So let's summarize today's topic on infant formula. So although many parents choose and succeed with breastfeeding, about 20% of children are exclusively formula fed. Right. And in terms of the volume of formula that they're going to get, it's going to start small and then increase to about maximum of 32 ounces per day for infants who are exclusively formula fed. One of the challenges in the U.S. right now is the formula shortage. And this relates to a particular bacteria, Chronobacter, which contaminated some formula, which can lead to dangerous infections in children. Right. We can minimize this by making sure we're mixing correctly and using purified or previously boiled water. There's many different types of formula that are available, and this can be confusing to parents. But the good news is that most parents can just choose the standard cow's milk-based formula, and their children tolerate this just fine. For kids with certain medical conditions, they may need special formulas, and so check with your pediatrician to discuss this further. There's a whole bunch of other options there. There's some with prebiotics, probiotics, there's organic baby formulas, um, and those are options too, um, depending on the specific issues of concern. We also discussed babies who are born prematurely and how they may need a special formula with extra vitamins, minerals, and calories. And then there's some children with some conditions that they may need the hydrolyzed formulas, which are easier for them to absorb the nutrients that they need. 
We recommend against trying to make your own formula as this can be extremely dangerous for babies and lead to severe outcomes, even death. And once a baby turns a year of age, no need to transition to toddler formula. By then, they should be getting most of their nutrients from table food with a varied diet. We know that families are feeling the pinch right now in the U.S. with the formula shortage. We have tried to include some resources to help out with that. But if all else fails, please reach out to your pediatrician and we're happy to talk more. Yeah, please reach out. We don't want parents to stress more than they need to during this difficult time. We would like to thank Stacy Garrison, a pediatric registered dietitian at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode, although Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And that reminds me of a joke. Let's hear it. So there's not that many formula jokes out there, but what do you feed a baby parabola? I don't even know what a parabola is. A parabola is a graph. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, that makes it even more weird. I don't know okay. what you feed it. Okay, it's a, it's a certain graph, a certain curve. Uh, you feed it the quadratic formula. So <laughs> this is a math geek joke. So the, the graph of a quadratic function is a parabola. And the general form of a quadratic function is y equals ax squared plus bx plus c, and that ends up being a parabola. And this is a plane curve, which is a mirror symmetrical and is approximately U-shaped. You lost me at parabola. So that's something that like high school, I assume high school algebra kids could teach us about, but we're clueless about. So formula. I did use some formula in the very beginning um, with Mira because like I talked you. you were triple feeding. <laughs> yeah, you were like, what is triple feeding? <laughs> I never even heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So in the beginning, because she was born early, she did have some issues with low blood sugar, which can be common for babies that were born a little early. And so while we were waiting for breastfeeding to kick in, takes a while, like usually around three to four days for a mom's milk to come in. We did use some formula and just, you know, bought the standard cow's milk based formula the first thing i think i saw at target <laughs> and she did very well with it and so i will say that in the vast majority of cases that is true for kids and so um we know that the amount of formula and the different choices can be overwhelming and so as a pediatrician i'm always happy to talk about that with families that wraps up this episode of kids considered you can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at kidsconsidered. And Instagram at kidsconsidered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.